Hey folks, welcome back to the Transplant Helper again today. My name is Jim Merle and I'm extremely excited today as we're beginning our brand new series, I Have Entitled, for lack of better terms, My Story, My Words. And I'm so excited that our very first guest today here on this particular program is a great friend of the program. I've actually known her for quite a while. She's a huge supporter. She's an advocate of you know organ donation you name it she does it she's involved she's got a history as a school teacher so she has been out in the field and been out in some of this stuff that we're trying to avoid right now but thankfully she's safe at home this morning and willing to talk to us so linda jara is with us and linda i'm excited that you are here and i know we got some time constraints so let me just kick it right off very first question can you tell us a little bit about yourself maybe your family your caregiver that sort of thing Sure. Uh, and good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Linda. I, I live here in uh, Philadelphia. Um, I am one of four children from uh, from my parents. Um, as Jim said, I was a school teacher. I taught for 23 years. Um, and I so far, I'm the only one in my family that has had this significant um, heart issue. Both my parents have heart disease, but um, they did rule out that my particular heart disease was genetic. Um, it, it wasn't viral, it wasn't genetic, so it was just this um, idiopathic um, strain that I had. Um, my, my parents, particularly my dad, has been my primary caregiver. However, I have like a whole community of people that have helped me um, over the years um, my 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 other my siblings and friends have all pitched in really to kind of help and get me to where I am today and uh, I do I have like a very nice community of people that are always willing to help me out and um, really do a lot for me from picking up groceries for me to driving me to appointments on those appointments that I need, um, drivers, um, we all know those appointments, right. um, you know, need someone to, to drive you or someone to be there with you. Um, if someone, you know, if my dad or somebody can't do it. So yeah, I, I actually have like a, a whole community of people, but, um, usually my dad wants, wants to be the one to help, but you know, he's not always available. So that's excellent. And, and you know, as well as I do, even in you saying that, 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 that is the key to living a quality life with this. It's it's it is about the doctors, it's about the medicine, it's about us, it's about a lot, but it is tremendously in a huge way. It's about our caregivers and the system that we have to support us. And sounds like you've got an excellent support system there. So I so let me ask that. let me yeah. ask you this. Um the way I've kind of termed it is how were you first introduced to transplant? I mean, what was it? And I think you just mentioned something about it, but what was it that caused you to need a transplant? I was congenital, so my situation was obviously different, but tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so it was the first time I was in the hospital. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I told on Christmas Eve of 2014 that I was in heart failure January of 2015, I was in the hospital and um, had my first cardiac cath, which I cried through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it was like the biggest baby ever. Um, and I remember the, uh, I remember at the time her name, her name um, 
is Liz. She was she was the transplant coordinator. I remember she came into my room and she said, I, I want to talk to you about heart transplant. Hmm. And I looked at her <laughs> and I just, I, I was like, well, why would you want to talk to me about heart transplant? And um, she just, she said that she kind of has to talk to everybody about it. I don't know if she was trying to make me feel better or if that was actually the, the government guidelines, but she said, this is kind of routine. We talked to everybody about this. And from that moment on, every time she walked into my room, I, I just cried. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, what? Is, like, because in my mind, I could not believe that I would have needed a, a transplant. I was like, this is the first time I've been in the hospital since I was born. And like, so for me, transplant was not the the immediate answer. You know, like I was like, there, there has to be something else that's going to happen before that. And um, lo and behold, come February of fifteen, I was listed for a heart. Mm. And and March of fifteen, I was put on an LVAD because, um, you know, I, I took a turn for the worse, and my ejection fraction had dropped to a five, and they were, you know, they, I, I'm O positive, so we knew that the wait was going to be longer, and they said, right. you know, well, this, this is what we're, well, they tried the melanoma drip first, and um, that that was actually they had the pick line in, and I was I got all the training on going home on that, and then I crashed on that. Um, in the hospital, so they had a, we had to go to Plan B. Right. So um, that, that poor Liz, I, you know, in retrospect, I feel bad. So if she walked in the room, I, I just started to cry. Yeah, that's like, a, why is she here? <laughs> yeah, that's a whirlwind to go through, no doubt about it. And again, I, I've said before mm-hmm. to others that, you know, me being congenital, I always, all for 38 years, I heard something about it. You know, it wasn't as much of a shock, but I know going through it that way, mm-hmm. it's got to be mind-boggling for sure. So, um, Yeah, it was so quick. I, and I remember they sent in, it was the substitute, the the regular cardiolo- cardio- cardiology nutritionist wasn't there. Her name is Kate. She wasn't there. So they sent in this other guy, and he was he was talking, 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 and he was like, oh, you have to excuse me. Uh, I'm going to need a knee replacement. And I was just so snarky. I was like, yeah, well, I need a heart replacement. <laughs> yeah, big deal, man. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I was like, I felt bad about it after, but I was like, why are you in here? What are you talking about? I'm eating hospital food. And he's asking me if I'm drinking margaritas. I'm like, well, no, they're not sending them out from the cafeteria. <laughs> you know, people. I'm not even drinking. <laughs> People, and again, I, I've definitely <laughs> been there before. People, until they've been through what we've been through, they hadn't been through it. And uh, that's just the way it is. I remember yeah. my wife and myself as well. I'm not going to blame it on her as much. But I remember a time when uh, someone had some family issues, and it was health problems. And she called mm-hmm. my wife, you know, basically to cry on her shoulder and all. And it, it just got to a point, and it was a bad day for us. And it got to a point where Jennifer's like, okay, well, that's good, but my husband's dying. You know, what she was dealing with was like a cold and, you know, my husband's dying. And so people don't know. And uh, I never want anyone to learn the hard way, but sometimes uh, people won't understand until they do. Yeah. I I try to be very empathetic, but sometimes I I, sometimes I have to pull back. And when I sometimes I just have to say, okay, I need to step back and just be like, okay, well, I hope I hope you're feeling better, but I have to go right now. Yeah. Well, well, tell me this, um, and I'm I'm just going to continue to ask you a few questions related. Um, 
you, you talked about it, it was a whirlwind. That's how I summarized it, at least. It certainly sounded like one. Yes. How long did you actually wait once you were listed? I waited 18 months. Okay. So I waited. Um, I had three calls. Um, my first call, um, maybe about five, maybe five weeks after the LVAD went in. Uh, maybe five weeks. I don't know. I still had scabs on me from the LVAD surgery. And then the second one came about a year later. And then the third one came uh, about four months after that. That was, a, that was the good one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like for me, I knew like when she called with this one, it just felt different because she said we found the perfect match. And I was working and the call came at three o'clock and by quarter to seven, mm-hmm. I was wheeled into the OR versus like the first two where I was in the ICU with all the IVs in and them drawing blood and, you know, right. in there for 12 hours before they came back and said that the heart wasn't viable. And this one was like, bang, bang, bang. And I was just like, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have 12 hours to sit there thinking of all the things that could go wrong in the OR, you know, they didn't, I didn't have a thousand texts. I didn't have phone calls of like right. people calling and crying like, Oh, you're going to be okay. And it's like, I just was like, okay, everything was, everything was, uh, was like on a schedule and I didn't really have too much time to, to downtime to think I'm about to go into this procedure right. and uh, have this taken care of. But I, but I am O positive. So I knew, right. you know, I knew it was going to take a little bit longer. Well, uh, do, and it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen on a holiday. It didn't happen on a weekend. I got the call on a Wednesday and the heart went in like early Thursday went in that's kind of one of the things they said. Weekends and holidays right. will, will be the big time to get it. And no, I had it on a, I had it on a, a, a Wednesday at three o'clock. The call came. Right, and I was told that, and I always, in one part of my mind, I felt so terrible because a holiday would come up, and I would think, oh, this is it, you know. But it, it wasn't for yeah. me either, uh, which is yeah. unfortunate, but. It's just the way it is. I mean, or the way it usually is, I should say. But mine did not either. Mine came in the middle of the week unrelated to anything other than I thought it was related to some really bad tornadoes that had, had hit a few weeks before oh, okay. from from Oklahoma. But it, uh, anyway, it wasn't. So uh, let me ask you this question then. Um, you talk about your wait time. What was the date? Let me ask. I, I missed that. What was the date of your transplant then? Uh, September 22nd. September 22nd of 17? Yeah. Okay. All right. I was trying to recall that. I knew it. I knew it had been several yeah. years, but but like myself, you know, we're not old veterans at this. We're just kind of still getting started in one way. We're just, um, we're just surviving. That's yeah, right. The, heart, the call came the 21st and, you know, the 30 started at, at 7 and then the heart went in at like 2 a.m. on right. the 22nd. So, but I don't know anything about my donor. Right. So, I never heard back from the family. Well, tell me a little bit about your recovery. I, I already know from talking to you so many times before that you've hit some bumps in the road, uh, but uh, tell me yes. a little bit about it. Yes. Recovery has been, recovery has been difficult. Um, and I, I, if I could say anything and, and be, be honest, I would say I was a little disappointed in my recovery. Um, one of the things that I heard was that I was going to feel great after transplant, after being on an LVAD. And um, I did better on the LVAD than I than I've been doing. So um, after transplant, I 
all of a sudden I needed glasses. I couldn't see anymore. So every time I go in, I need stronger prescriptions, um, which is Same which here. is minor. <laughs> but um, I have something called gastroparesis, mm-hmm. um, which is something that happened from the vagus nerve being cut. So my my stomach muscles don't work. I my, I can't digest food as well, and. I had to really change the entire way that I eat. And um, a, a lot of food makes me sick. And um, so it's, it's, so I could eat a lot of white potatoes. <laughs> white potatoes don't make me sick. So hmm. um, that's one of the things I can eat. Um, you know, so it is, it, and I found this out from eating chicken broth and rice and saltine crackers for about three <laughs> months straight without being nauseous. So, um, I have that. Um, I ended up getting migraines from the tacrolimus. I ended up with prednisone-induced diabetes, and um, so I'm still on, even though my A1C is a 5.1, I still have to see the endocrinologist um, every uh, every three months and things like that. Um, But the one disappointing, I think the most disappointing thing for me was that I was unable to continue teaching. I did Right. I did attempt to go back to the classroom and I had a failed attempt um, at returning and I just never got my energy level back. And I, if I had to say, I, if I had, a, if I was being honest with anybody, I have about five good hours in me a day. Mm-hmm. And when I was teaching, I was getting up at five thirty, you know, leaving for work a quarter to seven you know, before noon, I was done for the day, you know what I mean? And then I couldn't leave the building until four, not getting home, even though it's only eight miles away. But by the time you get home driving in the city, it, you know, I wasn't home until five o'clock or Mm. so and come home. And it's like, I don't want to do anything. And, you know, you have to eat. I still have to take eight o'clock meds. I couldn't necessarily go right to bed. So I'd take my eight, you know, my, my anti-rejection meds, how to take my bedtime meds still had to make dinner and um, still had a grade, still had a, you know, like teaching is not one of those 40 hour, you leave it at the, oh, leave yeah. it at the desk. So, um, you know, it, it just, it just wasn't something that I was going to be able to do. So, um, and, I, and I think that was one of the things that I found to be the most disappointing because I really thought that was going to be something I would definitely be able to do it at one point in my life. <laughs> at one point when I was in the elevator, I was like, if I get transplanted, I hope it. I hope the call comes in June, so I could go back to work yeah. in September, yeah. and I don't miss any days. Yeah. You know, and I'm, uh, you know, everyone's saying I'm going to feel great. I'll be, you know, in three months, I'll be ready to go back, and you know, and I was like, Phew. yeah. So, um, you know, so I, I mean, I was, I was finding things to do, but you know, when COVID hit. You know, everything kind of switched. So I, I did right. have like a schedule every day. You know, I, I did redefine who I was. And but when COVID hit, uh, you know, everything kind of shifted again. So, right. um, but I'm I'm okay. You know, like people are really going through crazy. And I'm like, I'm not in a hospital room. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not in heart failure right now. Yeah, it stinks. I'm not going out. I'm I'm kind of not having anybody in my house, but. It could be a lot worse. Well, plenty of positives. I could be on the breathing tube again. <laughs> there you go. Like. <laughs> <laughs> there are other ways to do this, and they're not fun. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I, I remember you going through that process. I think you and I probably met 
prior to that. Um, If I remember some of our first conversations, you were considering going back to work. And at the time, I was advising most people not to, at least inside that first year. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. you were headstrong. You did it. And then when it failed, I was heartbroken for you. Uh, It was just, uh, I I just hate it. I really do. Because I know you're a teacher at heart and, you know, you're a worker and you you stay busy and, you know, you have to do things differently today, but we're blessed nonetheless. So overall recovery has been okay. Just those bumps in the road, particularly that one being disappointing. Um, Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can, you can go as short or, or long as you want to with this, but what would you say is the best and worst thing uh, transplant has done for you or allowed you to do? Um, the, the best thing besides being alive is, um, I'm a aunt again. So I got to see my, like, I don't think I would be alive if I didn't go through this. I mean, I guess I could still be in the LVAD, but, um, you know, that's not an easy life either, but I have a new nephew. He was born in August, you know, so I, I got to see, um, you know, another nephew come in. And just to, you know, really just to see my nieces and nephews kind of grow and become like the little, the little, my oldest is 13, just to get to see her be the, um, such a a beautiful young woman, you know, from when, when I was first in the hospital, I think she was in second grade. Now she's in eighth and just to, you know, to see how she's changed and, um, you know, how all of them have changed over the years is, is something I wouldn't have been able to witness right. if, um, if I didn't have that opportunity. Um, you know, and, you know, just, you know, and just being around in general, I, I think people would have missed me. I would miss you. I would have hoped that I would have met you, but I would have missed you. And I, I've lost several, and it's a it's a hard thing. Um, I, I tell people all the time. I had one just a, uh, one of our good friends uh, just a few weeks ago that passed, and I'm kind of in a business, if you want to call it that, where everybody I know is critically ill to some extent. So it makes yeah. it tough. But uh, yeah, I would have missed you, Linda. I would certainly have done that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, anything negative to say? I mean, I'm just trying to balance things. Anything that would you would call bad? about transplant for you? Um, I think the only, the downside is, and I understand why they don't, but not having the full, like not having the full picture of some of the Mm -hmm. things that can happen, you know, with the, um, you know, some of the things, issues with vertigo that I had and all those other little, so I found out yesterday, I didn't even notice that tacrolimus can cause insulin resistance. Hmm. So there's like always something I'm learning um, you know, you know, always something, this is with my cardiologist transfer. So there's always something I'm learning that, um, that I think not knowing about the gastroparesis and trying to figure out for three months why I was nauseous for 10 hours a day was, you know, you know, just to say, well, when your vagus nerve gets cut, this is what, these are some of the things right. that could happen, you know, but, you know, um, but nothing beats being alive. Oh, yeah, know? absolutely. Well, I have people all the time who, out of frustration sometimes, say, why didn't they tell me about this? You know, if I had only known. And I'm like, okay. look, you sat in a transplant training meeting. You were frustrated. All you were thinking about was going to get lunch. And you really didn't want them talking any longer. And, you know, 
they yeah. can't cover all the bases. Uh, that's why I continue. I'm at 575 programs and I can't cover all the bases. You know, I've talked for yeah. thousands of hours and can't cover the bases. But um, yeah. So anyway, ups and downs. That That's the gist of what you say. And let me ask you one more thing. Yeah. And I don't think we know, like when you're a patient and you're that sick, I don't, I don't think you know to even ask. No. Like what are some of the, other than thinking, am I going to, what are my chances of surviving surgery? Right. You know, or how long is this heart going to, like, they were my questions. Like, how long will this heart last? They were right. my initial questions, not what are some of the long-term effects. I'm not, like, well, I have gastroparesis. I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm -mm. Mm. You know, so um, the big, the big possible complications were in my mind. Like, what are my what are my survival rates? What, you know, right. what's my survival rate? You know, what does it look like in 10 years if this is the average? And, you know, they were, they were my big questions. Um, yeah. And I, I think like you, like you touched on, you know, we're all grateful to be alive, but we still have some of the frustrations that normal everyday people have. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes there's a guilt associated with that. We shouldn't feel that way because we have a transplant and we should be alive. And I think that's something that only other transplants, can feel it you know i know when people say it to me i'm like it's okay to be it's okay to feel the way you feel right you know it's it's okay to be frustrated with not feeling 100 percent since your transplant i understand that you're still grateful but i understand that you know it's an uphill battle yeah absolutely you know, every, like i said every, every day is an adventure absolutely. every day is a challenge <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've said it out loud before, you know, I've even, I have said out loud, you know, I wish I'd have never done this, you know, because of blank. Uh, but that doesn't take yeah. away from my gratitude or my appreciation or, or, or the gift that any of us have to have another breath and mm -hmm. to keep living. And yeah. like you, like you said, to enjoy your family, to be able to witness things that we obviously would have missed had it not been for that. So let me ask you one more question here. And this is again, up mm -hmm. to you completely. What is the best piece of advice you might give someone who's waiting on the list or, or maybe just been transplanted either way or both um, that, that might help them live a better life? Okay. Um, for someone who's just been transplanted, do not compare your recovery to anybody else's. Amen. Um, that was something I was like, how come I'm not out of the hospital in two weeks? I was in the hospital more for a month after. Mm -hmm. And I immediately thought there was something wrong. And, and there was. I, I mean, my right side was, was stiff and, you know, this different right side of the heart was stiff. So there was different complications I had in the hospital. But um, when you when you read prior, oh, it's about 14 days that you get out and you're, you know, you're going on week three, mm. two and a half and week three, you start thinking, is there something wrong? But there's no, there is no magic number for when you're going to get out. And um, my cognitive skills were completely off in the hospital. Mm -hmm. The one time I decided to go for a walk by myself, I couldn't make the turn and I walked right into the wall hmm. um, and I couldn't stop laughing the entire time. Yeah, that, that's pretty tough right <laughs> Cause, there. Cause, yeah, because I was, I was like, here comes the wall. I got to turn. I got to turn. And, and did nothing. It, my body wasn't turning and I walked right into the wall and I was, when I walked into the wall, I was, I was like, I was like a Roomba. Then I was able to turn yeah. and I was laughing as a kid. <laughs> the nurse was like, maybe you shouldn't do that by yourself again. And I was like, maybe it was like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. Um, 
Lesson learned the hard so way. The lesson learned the hard way. And, um, you know, so that's, so no, no two recoveries are the same. Mm-hmm. And um, for those, those that are waiting, it is worth the wait. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, to be able to experience new things that you didn't experience that you might not be able to experience if you don't go through it. And, and is, is every day easy? No, no day is easy. Um, think about how your days are now. Now, uh, um, I, for one, have um, about 26, 27 different prescriptions I take a day. Um, I'm on a, I have a, um, an alarm that goes off all throughout the day. So, so I know what day, times to take my medication. Um, but it's still, it's still worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, every day is worth it. So, um, so there's, just keep waiting. You're, you're, the perfect heart's going to come. You want the best one to come. Yes. Or the perfect heart, the perfect, whatever organ you're waiting for, the perfect one is out there. It's waiting for you. You don't want it to be rushed. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be a recovery, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I could not agree more with that. And I've, I've told people many a times and shared here on the programs as well, you know, every day you wait is a day you had. So even though it's frustrating yep. and such, you can just count that day on the calendar and say, well, that was a gift. You know, maybe not yeah. maybe not the easiest day I've lived, but it was a gift nonetheless. So, uh, well, Linda, I'm so, so thankful I got to talk with you today. Um, I know you've got an appointment coming up here in just a few minutes. So uh, it's been excellent to talk to you. And just thank you, thank you, thank you for not only being here today to share your story and your words, but also more importantly, to support this community while you have. You've been a gift to me, a blessing and an inspiration, I know, to so very many. Well, well, you're welcome. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Absolutely. All right, Miss Linda, uh, it's been good talking with you. And uh, to everybody else who's watching this, let me just remind you, and Linda probably, you want to say it with me? Uh, Stay stronger, friends. Advocate, educate, and motivate. I got to hit up you on all of that, but that was fun nonetheless. But but thank you very much, Linda. I didn't know which one you were doing with. I I should have warned you. We should have practiced. But anyway, thank you. Everybody enjoy the day and stay stronger.